Heavenly Father, we recognize that you are in such, you are such a faithful God that indeed you bend an ear to the cries of the heart of people that you have purchased with the shed blood of your Son. We are a people who stand in your debt. We are debtors to mercy alone. There is um, never a, a time, never a chance for us to point to something that's meritorious that would earn your favor and your pleasure. And so we come to plead, not merit. We come to plead for mercy and point to the merit of another. The finished work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. It is on that which we stand. It is that which is solid ground underneath us and all else is sinking sand. Our Father, uh, might this time spent together as brothers and sisters in Christ this morning nourish our souls and call us to a higher level of commitment to Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus repeated again and again that if to find our lives, we are to lose them. And I don't know of a person in this room who has yet done that, including the pastor. But we do know and do believe that if we are ever to find life, life must be lost. And so now take us to that place, O God where we discover the great beauty of a life turned inside out for Jesus Christ. Prepare us for the sacrament, Lord. Might we meet as friend to friend with our Savior there. Allow us to accomplish that by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now, Father, take our monies. In in so many ways, our money is so unimportant. It's been made to be important because we... We try to establish our identity and our worth with it. And it fails us every time. So now, Father, out of great storehouses, we want to give a lot of it away. Because I think, Lord, that's why you gave it. So that we could give it. And once again, say all over that we trust you with our financial future. And we are oh so willing to make sacrifices for the expansion of the kingdom of Christ. We pray, of course, in his name. Amen. Thank you. Grab your Bibles, if you will, and open them to a, um, a text that was made famous. Um, maybe you don't know about its fame. But we'll talk about it. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy 32. I'm going to read you just one verse, the verse that was um, made famous, and you'll understand in a moment. Deuteronomy 32 at verse 35. Vengeance is mine and recompense for the time when their foot shall slip, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and their doom comes swiftly. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. 
For those of you who are um, visiting at Gracie Van or perhaps are somewhat new to Gracie Van, I thought maybe a word of explanation might be uh, helpful to you on a morning like this. Uh, we here at Gracie Van observe the Lord's Supper once a month. Now, that might be more frequently or less frequently than you're used to, but what we do here is once a month. Normally, it is the second Sunday of the month, but on that Sunday, things are a bit different than they are on the other Sundays of the month. Different in this respect. My role is de-emphasized. Your role is highlighted. Um, I'm here this morning to give you just enough information, to give you just, as, just enough reminder, just enough stimulation to prepare you to go to this table. Um, my role this morning is not to give you a message. The message is there. My role is simply to ready you for that. To um, prepare you to spend some time with your Savior, just, just the two of you, where you can say some things that perhaps have needed to be said, but hadn't had the chance. Well, this morning, we want to give you that chance. It was the most famous sermon that's ever been preached on American soil. It is still today studied around the country in English literature classes. The preacher was Jonathan Edwards. He was a pastor of a congregational church in Northampton, Massachusetts. And he later went on to become the president of Princeton. The date was July the 8th, 1741, a Saturday. It was 265 years ago yesterday. The place was Enfield, Connecticut. All of the New England colonies were experiencing something that church historians have called the Great Awakening. It was a revival. It has now earned its own title, the Great Awakening. It is that which some blame for the Revolutionary War. But the uh, revival had not yet touched Enfield, Connecticut, and some feared that because of the profanity of, of Enfield, that the revival would never reach there. And so Jonathan Edwards was invited to preach, not, not so much out of interest in the Great Awakening, but more of a curiosity. There was a, 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 a very discernible indifference, kind of a nonchalance, not much more than his being a curiosity for that congregation. Jonathan Edwards' preaching style is not something that, that would win a very large audience these days. Um, he preached quite lengthily for, first. That was the first thing that would win him no friends. 
But the other thing was, he wrote his sermons out word for word. And he read them from a manuscript. Rarely, if ever, looking up from his manuscript. It was not the style of the, the flaming evangelists of the Great Awakening. It, it was, um, if anything, uh, rather boring. Uh, because he, as I said, read it. It was a lecture from a very brilliant man. The title of the sermon, of course, was Sinners in the Hand of an Angry God. And his text was Deuteronomy 32, verse 35. Their foot shall slide in due time. I want to read you a couple of paragraphs from the sermon, um, just to give you a, a taste of it. Edwards says, As he that walks in slippery places is every moment liable to fall, He cannot foresee one moment whether he shall stand or fall the next. And when he does fall, he falls at once without warning. He goes on. The bow of God's wrath is bent, and the error may ready on the the string, and justice bends the arrow at your heart and strains the bow. And it is nothing but the mere pleasure of God and that of an angry God without any promise or obligation at all that keeps the arrow one moment from being made drunk with your blood. Thus all you that have never passed under a great change of heart by the mighty power of the Spirit of God upon your souls, All you that were never born again and made new creatures and raised from being dead in sin to a state of new and before altogether unexperienced light and life are in the hands of an angry God. He likened his listeners to a spider that was being dangled over a flame. He said, and I quote, You hang by a slender thread with the flames of divine wrath flashing about it. He goes on, just a couple more sentences. And now you have an extraordinary opportunity. A day wherein Christ has thrown the door of mercy wide open and stands calling and crying with a loud voice to poor sinners. A day wherein many are flocking to him and pressing into the kingdom of God. Many are daily coming from the east, the west, the north, the south. Many that were very lately in the same miserable condition that you were in are now in a happy state with their hearts filled with love to him who has loved them and washed them from their sins in his own blood and rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. As Edwards preached that, people in the audience began to cry out from their seats. What shall I do to be saved? Oh, oh, am I, am I to, am I to go to hell? It is said that people fainted in the aisles. That others trembled violently as he preached. 
as he read his manuscript. There were still others that, that left their seats and stormed his pulpit, begging him to stop. No, no more. <clears throat> At one point, it is said that Edwards had to ask everyone to quiet down so that he could finish his sermon and so that he could be heard by the, by the entire audience. He ended his sermon by saying this. Let everyone that is out of Christ now awake and fly from the wrath to come. The wrath of Almighty God is now undoubtedly hanging over a great part of this congregation. Let everyone fly out of Sodom. Out of Sodom. Haste and escape for your lives. Look not behind you. Escape to the mountain lest you be consumed. How quaint. How uh, anachronistic. The, um, the very theme of a sermon like that sounds so foreign to 21st century years. But ladies and gentlemen, the passing of 265, 265 years has not made men less needful of Jesus Christ. The good news is that the door is still wide open. The door of mercy and grace is still wide open. And um, today, spread before you on that table down there, are reminders. They're, embl- they're emblems, they're symbols of the finished work of Jesus Christ for sinners. And if it's refuge that you want, it will be found here. It will be found at that table, ladies and gentlemen. So many of us in this room have found our refuge at this table. My only purpose this morning is to prepare you to go there and to find your refuge there in the hopes that you might spend some time with your Savior that you haven't spent perhaps in a long time. This table is set for you. Come. May we pray. Our Father, I, I do pray that your people might get a, a thoroughgoing reminder of that which Jesus Christ has done for people like us. I pray, O oh God, that you um, will use these few short minutes around this sacrament to tell your people once again that they are loved, that they are forgiven, that they have a hope of everlasting life because of the completed and finished work of Jesus Christ. Now, Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, 
Prepare us and meet us as we as forgiven people gather around these reminders of the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Of course, we pray in his name as well.